0: You're listening to Nutrition Matters Podcast with Paige Smathers, Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. Hey everyone, it's Paige, your favorite nutrition podcaster and dietitian. Nutrition Matters Podcast explores what really matters in nutrition and health with a sensitive and realistic approach. This podcast relies on the support of listeners like you and needs donations to keep this project running. To help support the podcast, please consider making a donation at pagesmathersrd.com/podcast. If you find this episode interesting, engaging, or helpful in your life, please consider donating, sharing with friends and family, and leaving a review on iTunes. You can leave a review about this podcast straight from your podcast app. Search Nutrition Matters podcast, click reviews, and then write a review. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Paige Smathers RD if you'd like to have a little more food for thought. Thank you for listening.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Nutrition Matters Podcast. My name is Paige Smathers, and I'm your host, and thanks so much for being here. Today, I'm chatting with Lindsay Stenovec, who is a registered dietitian in San Diego, California, who focuses her work on helping mothers... um, And and supporting mothers, providing a community of support for women who are pregnant, um, so before pregnancy, during pregnancy, after pregnancy, postpartum, and with mothers of young children. So she has this fabulous community of women behind her and so many great resources that I'm excited to share with you during the course of the episode. And, um, if you're someone who is listening, who says, okay, well, this probably doesn't have anything to do with me because, Uh, I'm not a mom, or I want to be a mother, but I'm not yet, or maybe this is a really um, sensitive subject for you. I want you to know that we do our best in this episode to be really sensitive to the the many ways um, women and people in general experience these, these questions and these issues. And I think that this conversation is still very relevant to anybody who maybe isn't uh, in this current stage of life, but maybe there's some things that you can learn along the way as well. Um, uh, So I hope that you continue to listen and enjoy the episode uh, with, with Lindsay. So before we get into that, I like to always make sure that all of you know about upcoming events. The first that I want to just make sure that you know about is on April 7th, which is a Saturday, I am going to be hosting, co-hosting a mindful eating workshop in Salt Lake City, Utah, um, and I want to invite you to come if if it sounds interesting to you. This this workshop will be, you know, very much in alignment with what we talk about in the on the podcast. Uh, this is not a diety, gimmicky, weight lossy type. Uh, workshop, but it is intended to be a really great tool to help you discover the art of mindfulness or if you're already working on your own mindfulness journey, uh, helping to kind of connect the dots with what you've done with mindfulness over into working on creating a healthy relationship with food in your body. So stay stay in touch with me if you'd like to kind of uh, learn more about it. If you want to check out the, the website, go to MindfulEatingWorkshop.com. Um, you're also more than welcome to join us over in Nutrition Matters podcast community on Facebook. We'd love to have you there. And then also my online course is something that if you like what we talk about on the podcast, if this stuff is resonating but you just feel like you need a little bit more help figuring out how to put this into practice, check out my online course. See if it might be a good fit for you. You can find that at pagesmathersrd.com course. Okay, so um, thanks so much for joining me and really quick, before I get into the interview, I just want to make sure that everybody listening understands how tricky it is to talk about the the subject of motherhood. Um, not only is it so vast and there's so many emotions and stories and experiences, it's very personal it's very um, it's just an intense topic so. Lindsay and I do our best to kind of scratch the surface here and kind of outline and point out some ideas for how motherhood can actually be a catalyst for growth and healing whether that's in your relationship with food or your body or maybe just life in general um but I totally recognize that there's probably ways where we could have said something a little bit better a little bit differently or um Someone might feel left out who who might be struggling in in one way or another around the topic of motherhood. So, we we do our very best here, and our goal is to be supportive. Um, definitely recommend that you check out Lindsay's podcast if you like uh, these topics, and if you'd like to kind of have a bit more support and or community, uh, check out her resources that we will talk about towards the end. All right, so thanks again so much for joining me, and let's get on to talking with Lindsay. All right, Lindsay. Well, welcome to Nutrition Matters podcast, and thanks so much for joining me today.
2: Thanks so much for having me on page. I'm excited to be here.
1: So, yeah, take a minute and just tell us about you and what you do, and uh, and then we'll kind of go from there. Introduce yourself a bit.
2: Sure. Yeah. So i uh, I own a private practice in San Diego, California, and uh, myself and an associate dietitian works in that practice. We specialize in the treatment. Of eating disorders primarily uh, and kind of work with people on that broad spectrum of dysfunctional or disordered eating. Uh, Maybe they don't necessarily have an eating disorder diagnosis. Uh, We do lots of intuitive eating work and healing work with them um, to help them feel better and more confident uh, around food and living in their bodies day to day. Uh, We also do some child feeding work uh, and a couple of years ago, I founded The Nurtured Mama, which is an online body positive community for moms and moms-to-be. And it consists of a Facebook group where we have conversations around, you know, various wellness topics in addition to relationship with food and body image uh, discussions that um, are all kind of through the lens of motherhood uh, and raising children. Um, and you know, have some some online support groups and courses that go along with that. So that's kind of what I do in a nutshell. Um, that's so
1: needed and so important. I know that the, you know, the whole pregnancy motherhood experience can be really difficult for women to go through from a body image perspective, from just a mental health and adjusting to a new life, and then also, nutrition and self-care and it all just kind of gets turned upside down sometimes so support in that in that time of life is really crucial and I just love what you're doing there so I really appreciate it
2: thanks yeah I think so I think it's a time both you know it's it's a challenging time that transition into parenthood and then the entire like life stage of parenting is you know a challenge and also just an opportunity for growth and healing and um introspection and reflection. And there's just, um, I think a lot of opportunity there to, to grow, um, since it is one of those big life-changing times.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So true.
1: Well, great. So talk about your experience as a mother and kind of what made you want to go down that road of developing these resources for, women and mothers and mothers-to-be and things like that? What, what kind of sparked that interest for you?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it totally um, went right along the experiences that I had um, transitioning into parenthood. Although my interest in like child feeding and um, relationship with food uh, during the perinatal time and through motherhood and just pregnancy nutrition... Uh, you know, I was really interested in that kind of from the beginning, from an educational perspective. I was in school and as a, a dietetic intern. Uh, and when I finally jumped into private practice, you know, I, I wanted to care for that group of people I wanted to have. Um, I wanted to work with, with moms and, but primarily uh, specialized in eating disorders. And of course, you know, plenty of the people that I worked with happened to be mothers. Um, But not as many people were coming in, uh, let's say, pregnant or especially postpartum. So I had sort of, with my interest but lack of experience, I hadn't, lack of personal experience, I didn't really understand how critical it is for ongoing care and, um, for lack of a better word, like attention, you know, to, um, to moms well beyond, you know, that stage of Pregnancy, so I started to get when I was um, when we were trying to get pregnant. I would find myself on forums, and I started thinking, "Oh gosh, it really seems like women like to connect on forums, especially around these types of topics." Um, you know, I wonder if this would be something that would be needed with kind of my skill set. And the wheels started turning, but didn't really go anywhere. Um, and I um, become pregnant, and have my son. And I just, through that experience, I saw very clearly the gaps in our care for, for moms, particularly from uh, like a mental health perspective, certainly from a relationship with food and body perspective. Um, It was, you know, my experience from pregnancy and into postpartum um, was, uh, it was challenging. It was, there was so much change and there was so much I wasn't ready for. And I felt like, I felt like I was doing what people were telling me to do to prepare. You know, I was going to the birthing classes and I knew about breastfeeding because I had done my own education in breastfeeding. And um, um, I, you know, there was, you know, I had the nursery ready, and I had enough diapers and I had enough different sizes of clothes and, you know, things like that. And my friend taught me how to swaddle. You know, I felt like, okay, you know, I'm prepared for this, Um, but I really wasn't. I wasn't prepared for the vast changes I was going to experience from my own personal identity shifting um, from a personal perspective, from a professional perspective, uh, my own level of responsibilities changing in terms of just always being in, you know, having this little wonderful little being needing me all the time um and just kind of thinking oh my gosh like kind of feeling almost like stuck in a way sometimes um i just didn't i didn't feel i don't know that there's any way that we can ever fully prepare for the transition into parenthood or really any any big life stage and change um but once i was in it and sort of moving through it um I, upon reflection, I thought, gosh, I think there's some ways that we could be probably doing a better job of preparing moms um, and also uh, talking about topics that tend to be stigmatized and um, that bring up a lot of shame, sort of bringing those out of the darkness, not, not pretending like those things aren't happening and making sure that those are common conversations um, throughout like our medical care during this time. So you know, asking questions, screening for postpartum depression and anxiety. Those were two things that I struggled with. And even though, you know, I had as as a professional, I worked with women with gestational diabetes, I had sat, you know, on the other side of a desk going over, you know, symptoms to look for if you may be experiencing postpartum depression, you know, with the women in their last appointment, you know, I had some knowledge, but I missed it in myself, which turns out is super common. Um, and so I didn't even reach out for help or care until far later into my postpartum experience past my child turning one years old. Um, and so going through that too, I thought, ah, you know, it had just one provider that I encountered pediatrician OB, even, you know, lactation is wonderful as, you know, I had such wonderful providers too. It wasn't like they weren't doing a good job for the jobs that they were there to do. But if I had a one person just asked a few really direct questions to me or encourage me to get additional care. Maybe, maybe I would have figured it out a little bit sooner and suffered a lot less. Um, so having gone through that, I kind of, you know, also thought, wow, I have this skill set in food and body image, and this is such a tumultuous time for, for women, and they are changing, you know, spiritually, mentally, physically during this time. Um, Of course, this stuff is going to come up, especially within our diet culture. You know, how can I really be intentional about filling the gaps? Um, So that's when I decided to launch the community. I was literally like breastfeeding my son in like four in the morning. Um, I can't remember how old he was. I guess he was probably like nine months old. And I was like, I don't even know where this is going to go, but it has to start. Like I have to, I have to create this little, this little group or this page or whatever. And, um, just like type something up on Facebook, put it out there. And that was kind of how it started. And then it's just kind of grown from there. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how my, my transition at least into motherhood sort of coincided with, uh, my professional work. Um, and of course, like you know, my son's three, I'm pregnant right now. I'm 32 weeks pregnant. Um, and you know, the lessons just continue to come (laughs) in terms of changes and stages and that this isn't, you know, this is, this is, um, you know, the only constant is change and Mm, the faster, the faster I can accept that and sink into that, um, and, and expect it, you know, the last time I'm going to suffer trying to fight against that, you know, in one way or another, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I think I, I really, as a parent too, I really resonate with the idea of like the only constant thing is change. Um, it seems to me like every time I feel like I've figured something out with, with a child, whether it was like, okay, getting them to sleep through the night or feeding them or figuring out a routine with naps or whatever it it just then then it changes the minute you think you've got it down y- you don't you know and it's just yeah. it's this ever changing and evolving and um, what's the word shows you the areas where you struggle <laughs> yes. thing and it's yeah it's it's a beautiful thing but it is it is really difficult and like I said in the beginning I'm so glad you're providing some support for for women who you know one of the really big areas that a lot of women do struggle especially and we can dive into this but especially given our culture and our environment and our obsession with thinness as a society is is this postpartum period and feeling like they need to look a certain way you know weeks Mm -hmm. after their baby's born and that can produce so much stress and anxiety um and dysfunction and also Mm -hmm. i mean issues beyond Beyond just what you'd think, I mean, consequences with with sleep and self care, and one thing kind of leads to another sometimes with all of that too.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it all it doesn't just start there either. This foundation is laid, and I think you know, for anyone listening to be able to reflect on different key stages and changes in their life to think about what messages we're getting about food and body from a very young age, you know, from puberty, college, weddings, fertility challenges, you know, even like divorce or breakups, um, the diet industry, they know they can capitalize on us, especially during those times, because there, there are times where we may be struggling and there are times where they've noticed that, ooh, you know, when people are going through difficult times, the the general message in our culture is like, hey, when life gets uncomfortable, you should totally focus on, you know, how to fix your, quote, fix your eating and, you know, exercise plan in your body or, or make these changes. Or um, this is maybe a, a way that you can feel more stable during this time of change. Um, they usually don't say it that way, but, you know, it's a very consistent message that we get ongoingly throughout our lives. And so, of course, you know, for any mother going through this change that is very physical um, and and changes, you know, internally, both mentally and, like, hormonally, um, you know, of course, this would be a time where... We may be more likely to internalize that type of messaging, to be drawn to that type of messaging of like, you know, things will be better if you can just make your body do this, you know, things will be better if you just follow this plan, because this will help you feel one way or another or get you certain things, you know, that you want that we've been telling you forever that, you know, these things are supposed to come with this type of body or this type of eating you're a bit um, you're
1: a bit more vulnerable at certain points of your life. I think that's yeah. you know what you're getting at is like the idea that yeah, your wedding or your you're you just had a child or yeah, you just had a breakup or something like that going on in in whatever stage of life is going on for you right now. There are certain vulnerability factors that kind of come into play that the dieting industry really capitalizes on.
2: Right. And I don't blame anyone for for gravitating towards that either because again it's just it's just the way if we've never been exposed to even the idea that there's an an alternative that we can opt out of that I mean you just don't even know it's an option it feels like the right thing to do it feels like maybe even the healthy thing to do Mm -hmm. um, or the responsible thing to do um, because that's how it's phrased yeah you know
1: so what are some of the things that come up commonly I know you have you have a course that helps mothers in this time of life and supports supports in some common things that come up for people. I know you have a Facebook group and a podcast. What are what are some themes that come up in those conversations and in those resources for mothers?
2: Yeah. In terms of where um, I see moms kind of struggling or yeah. being the most yeah. poor or sort of what um, you know, they're bringing to me when um, they are reaching out for support. I think um, one of the first things I started to notice, or also sort of started to intuitively pick up on was that there's just a lot of shame. Um, Not only inherent like body shame, or food shame, but shame about feeling shame. So they sort of you know, they become parents, they have this child, they, they want the child to, obviously, you know, children are born, like, just loving themselves and their bodies. And, You know, we've talked about this in your interview on my podcast, but how just authentically, they engage with their bodies, and they, they don't judge their bodies and things like that. And we see that we want to foster that. And we want to, you know, we, we don't, Knowing what it feels like to struggle with food and body image, we don't want them to suffer in the same way. And so there's one, this kind of call to to action, I think, that moms feel, uh, this is my responsibility. I want to help them with this. But, oh gosh, you know, when I think about that, I don't actually, I'm not really sure how. And then there's this added layer of guilt and shame of, I know I quote, I quote, shouldn't. It's usually the language, like, I shouldn't not like my body. I shouldn't do this or that, you know, with food, but, um, but I, but this is how I feel, or this is how I, what I am doing. And I feel shame about that. So I don't even want to even admit that I'm feeling bad about my, my body. And then that doesn't really help anyone because if we feel shame about feeling shame, we're not going to talk about it to anyone in a way that might actually help. So I think that's,
1: and you're also doubling the amount of Pressure you're feeling, or the stress you're feeling, or the suffering you're experiencing, because now you're not only feeling shame about something, but then you're adding on to that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
2: Yes. Absolutely. Um, So it's just a lot of tough feelings going on in silence. Um, I've seen that with sort of questions I get about opting in, even to my group. You know, at its simplest form, my group is a wellness you know, community for moms that has a non-diet, body-inclusive focus, you know. Um, But it can feel really vulnerable sometimes for people to opt in because they feel like it somehow says one thing or another about how they feel about their bodies or food or whatever. Um, And it's just been an interesting thing to sort of talk to people about over the last, you know, couple of years or so about that level of vulnerability. But what I always find really interesting is in, like, the weight loss world, you know, there's a ton of disclosure about, you know, ways that we're interacting with food. And it's so praised and, you know, stuff we're doing with our bodies and before and after pictures and stuff. That's super vulnerable. Um, but, but because it's culturally praised, you know, it doesn't feel, I think, quite as uh, – it doesn't feel that, that in that same level of, of vulnerability Um, so it's kind of an interesting kind of, um, observation that I've had there. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. Um, let's see. So what other things am I commonly seeing? I'm, I'm commonly seeing, um, a lot of interest in, um, wanting to, to learn about child feeding and, and do well and feel confident with that, um, and running into some, you know, natural roadblocks there um, a, in around trust. So, like, trusting, um, trust from the feeding perspective is really critical, um, trusting that, you know, our kids are able to self-regulate, trusting that we can do a, jo- a good job with feeding, um, basically, you know, setting up consistent, reliable, adequate meals and snacks and all that. Um, that is such, a, that's such an important point
1: yeah I think there's so much there's so much that that's kind of boils down to trust when it comes to what we you know what we talk about a lot on this podcast or and or when we're talking about parenting or motherhood specifically is um and let me let me make this a little bit personal to me really quick so mm-hmm. I, um I spend a lot of my life like not really trusting my body but not really knowing that that's what was going on, just kind of like being unaware that that was even a concept or even something i was doing but just looking back in retrospect i can see that and pregnancy was a really interesting experience for me where um where i i don't want to like get too much into details here but but where i really was kind of forced to just say well i have to just trust because i this feels really some of the things about what was happening with my body and what i should have been doing versus what was really happening in reality just were were different. And I, I had to just say, you know what, my body knows what it's doing. My body has like, this is basically what it's like, you know, in my opinion, what it's kind of like made for to, to reproduce and to create, create life. And I need to just honor that and trust that and kind of like, let go of my desire to control things. And, um, and what was really interesting is, is I think I feel very blessed and very grateful that my experience with childbirth actually helped to solidify some of that trust that I started to kind of, well, it wasn't that I started it, it during pregnancy, but I re- it became very obvious that that was an issue during pregnancy. Um, and I had this experience with with birth and delivery, and I know that not everybody has the same experiences here, but just mm-hmm. for me and my story, like, I was able to really develop such an awe and trust and respect for my body, just knowing that like all I did for the last nine months was like eat and rest and like try to take good care of my body. And like, look, I just created this little human who is mine and who I love and who I'm just totally so excited that this just happened in my life. Like it was just such an experience of awe that when you try to put words to it, it sounds so silly and cliche, but it was amazing. And I think – I often actually look back to that experience of growing a child inside of my body and having a child come out, come out of my body just with such awe and reverence. And it really kind of brings me back to like, yeah, I can trust my body. Look what it did. Like that, that really was an important moment in my life.
2: Yeah. I think a lot of, um, I think a lot of women have that experience, um, that, just going through all of that gives them that that sense of trust um, and awe of kind of what their bodies are able to do during this time and and then I you know I also you know there are other I think people who experience different you know maybe infertility or of course yeah you know difficulties
1: in their pregnancy or, or whatnot and I think or things don't go as planned and you right. know, yeah exactly right or you're disappointed or just trust
2: yeah. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: No, no, you're fine.
2: I was thinking, you know, as we were talking, we've been talking too, like that, the whole, um, concept of trust. And we talk about that a lot. And, you know, intuitive eating and the work that we do is trust your body, trust your body, trust your body. And it doesn't necessarily mean trust your body because if you do everything will work out perfectly. Um, but you know, trust that, you know, having a level of trust that your body can do lots of things and can take care of you and can help you through tough times too. Um, And that is going to look different for everyone um, as well, which I think coincides a lot with the body image piece because I think what I hear a lot in the perinatal world where people are kind of, kind of, you know, in the body image space, but not like doing a ton of work in that area, they'll say like, just trust your body and your body's going to lose the weight that it's supposed to. And, you know, trust your body's going to, it's going to go back to normal, quote, normal, all of those things. And it's like, well, it might not, you know, it, it actually might not do that. Um, but trusting your body helps you actually care for yourself, you know, and know what your body needs, regardless of sort of where you're going, where it's going, um, or what you're going through. So whether it's trusting your body and you, your body's caring for you through this amazing experience of like pregnancy and feeding and postpartum and all of this change and, and challenge and, and transition, or, or it's not feeling that way either, but that it's still giving you really valuable information and still can be a, such a catalyst for care, um, regardless of the outcome. Does that make sense?
1: Right. Yeah. It's not, it's not, you're not wrong or bad if that, if the experience of Pregnancy or childbirth or por- the postpartum experience didn't didn't fo- help to foster that trust. That's that doesn't mean that you're like that too. dysfunctional or yeah like like a, a lost cause or anything. And I hope that me sharing my own little thing didn't make anyone feel that way. More more just trying to highlight how how it has potential to teach you various things um, through all the, the the stages and changes you go through in you know, in parenting or in motherhood specifically, um, there's, there's lots of potential to, to, to glean a lot of wisdom, regardless of what, if, if, whether it's a positive or a negative or a neutral experience for you, you can still, I think you can still learn a lot from, from these, these changes your body and your mind and your life go through.
2: So much because, yeah, because the unpredictable things happen or, um, you know, we aren't going to have full control, whether that be from a food perspective or a body image perspective or a life perspective or a parenting perspective, like we're never going to have full control, um, but trusting that you're capable of getting through these, you know, unexpected things or or things that are really beautiful and wonderful, but but challenging at the same time in different ways or that we can feel opposing emotions and and be in touch with that and, and help ourselves move through that and, and kind of... Um, and feel it. So, so yeah, I mean, I think a lot of women do have the experience that, that you have. And I think that also is something that makes them go, ah, I want, I really want to learn more. Like I really want to, I've kind of seen this, the experience, like a level of, of, um, freedom of just kind of letting their bodies do what they need to do and letting them change and shift and morph. And they're just like, wow, this is amazing. Um, and so, they began to seek also, like, you know, I don't, I don't want to be so chained to the scale. And, you know, the, the dieting and the worrying about my body anymore, I just like saw this amazing process that it got me through. And I want to learn more about just continuing this, like, starting almost like a, a you know, peaceful relationship that has started. So it, it isn't always tumultuous or um, triggering for body image or, or food distress, it can be actually really healing for some women or be a really great catalyst. Um, but certainly, you know, it's, it varies. Yes. As always. Yes. (laughs) Depending on the individual.
1: Yeah. Every person experiences these things differently and that no one's wrong or right. It's just different. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Yeah. So Lindsay, I want, I'm very interested to hear about your experience so far in motherhood. Um, that have kind of any experiences that have kind of solidified your own approach to all of the things that, that we talk about as dietitians in the intuitive eating space? Um, anything that, any unique insights that parenting has kind of brought to you? I, does that make sense? I don't know if I'm wording that question very well, but
2: yeah. So different insights I've had in relation to food and body stuff, like through my own personal experiences.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay, so one of the first things that just popped into my mind that was really, um, really helpful, I think something that I may have never realized women were experiencing or, or understood it if I hadn't gone through it myself. So when you think about, I talk about postpartum a lot, So <laughs> you, you probably got on. Um, when you think about the postpartum time, and when I went through the postpartum time, most of us have you know, this kind of few weeks at least <laughs> of feeling just kind of you're in this fog, right? You've just gone through a major physical event where, you know, no matter how your birth happened and went through, it's a major physical event. Your body is, you know, working so hard to heal you. You're probably in some level of pain or discomfort as that healing process begins. Um, and you have this, you know, beautiful little baby that needs so much from you. So regardless of feeding method, you're, you're on for feeding, you know, a big percentage of your day. You are, if you're not feeding, you know, you're changing the diaper, you are comforting, you're rocking, you're, you know, you're stuck on the couch, a lot of those early weeks. Um, and, and I think especially, you know, I've only had one child, I don't know what it's going to be like with child number two, but I know that for a lot of us, especially with baby number one, it can feel really tough to know like, oh, I, I can put my baby down and go do X, Y, and Z. Um, it's okay to do that. You know, we kind of feel like, oh, I'm supposed to hold this baby all the time. And if they put, I put them down and they cry, it's going to be this thing. And keep in mind, I had budding, you know, anxiety when I, um, even in the early, early stages, but um, not anything too strong at that stage. But that was kind of my experience. I just kind of felt kind of, Like, okay, I'm, like, on 24-7, and food became a really difficult thing to access during that time. It was really difficult. I had never really – I think there may have been, like, two days in my life, you know, where I had forgotten a meal, right? And, you know, I was realizing, like, oh, my gosh, I look at the clock, and it was 2 p.m., and I had had a granola bar, and that was it. And I was just like, where did the day go? How did I not – catch this like really strong hunger that I'm obviously feeling now. Um, And so within that, that experience with like life, that is just part of that time to a degree, you know, my experience with food was survival mode. So I would, if I got food, I was going to eat it really fast because I didn't know how long I had the second. I swear they can, they can smell when you're hungry and you're eating and then they want to eat. Did you ever notice that? Like yeah, the second totally. you got food, they were oh, like, yeah. oh, <laughs> even though Me I just too. ate. Like, I eat too. <laughs> it feels yeah. like I was just eating. You know, now I'm ready to do. So, you know, you always have to have like something that you can eat with one hand. You know, you're dropping food all over your kid. It's like this whole thing. And so I just got into this, this survival mode of eating, of eating really, really quickly because that's what I had to do to get through that time, right? So – I'm going through that, whatever. I didn't think a whole a whole lot of it. Um, and as I k- kind of came out of that early stage, what I would notice is, gosh, I'm ending meals feeling really full, really, really full. And I'm like, this doesn't feel great. You know, I feel like I'm sick. Why is this happening? Like, what is going on? And I, you know, I was so, I'm so thankful to have done my own personal work in intuitive eating um long before becoming a parent because I was able to look at this from a curiosity perspective like there was no reason I mean it was a little bit like oh I'm really tired of feeling really really full all the time but there wasn't judgment and there wasn't shame and there wasn't berating going on for me when which I know doing the work that I do and you do you know a lot of people would feel that and because of that I was able to go oh my gosh like I am still in the mode of food insecurity. I'm still in the mode of I have to eat. I have to eat now and have to eat a lot and fast because I don't know when my next meal is going to come. I don't know if that meal is going to be satisfying. I don't know if someone's going to be around to help me get that meal. So when I get that food, I'm going to eat a lot of it. I'm going to eat fast. And that's actually a really normal thing for a human being to do when they're in any level of food insecurity, which could be brought on by dieting. It could be brought on by environment. It could be brought on by um, being in a socioeconomic, you know, s- status where you don't have access to funds or access to food. Um, you know, that's a really normal thing. And so I was able to see that non-judgmentally, and, and be able to just be really gentle with myself moving forward. And it probably took months, honestly, for me, for my brain to kind of, Be able to remind myself, I'm not in that stage anymore. I have I have plenty of access to food. My baby is not nearly as needy as he was in those first you know six to to twelve weeks. I can I can take a breath. I can take my time with food again. I can I can put him down, or I can put him in the carrier, and I can make something for myself. You know, I just felt um, you know I knew that I could do this kind of like self talk and reminding of myself. I don't need to rush as much as I did, and but there was a very good reason why I did that. That makes am I making yeah, sense? Yeah,
0: that's beautiful. I love
1: yeah. that, and I know a lot of people who are going through that right now will really resonate with that. Or if anyone's ever had a baby and and looking back on that that time of life, it's like, oh yeah, that totally it's a chaotic time and i think sometimes when you're in this this chronic sleep deprivation mode plus <laughs> kind of feeling like am i doing this right is is everyone like going to be alive and fine you know you just question so many things it's really easy to just kind of not not remember or not think about the fact that like you know, things change, babies grow up, babies get a bit easier, and you figure this out a little bit better. And it's, there's light at the end of the tunnel, which I I don't mean to make it sound like that's a terrible time of life. But, but so it can just be really tricky and tough, given so many things kind of working against you with especially with the sleep deprivation.
2: The sleep deprivation. I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, not just, that levels the playing field. I mean, you are just, there is just not, um, you know, physiologically that changes you. There's nothing, you know, there's not a lot you can do about it either, except for try your best to get as much sleep and help to get sleep um, throughout the night and the day. But that's not uh, typically a reality, you know, for moms or parents. And so, so yeah, that's, it's just a huge – it's a, it's a challenging time. It's a life-changing time. You know, you go from doing things when you want, how you want it, you know, kind of at the pace you want it, and then, and you know, you might work in you know, a certain capacity and you know, do certain things with friends and all of that, and it just changes. So even if it's – you know, I felt a lot of joy during those times. Um, for me, like, the difficulty actually um, – the real – like mental health difficulty set in a a little bit later, but I remember feeling like I feel so much joy about this, but this is also, this is intense. Like (laughs) this is a very intense time. So even if it's something you're like, this is wonderful. It's still a big change. It's still a big shift for you.
1: So how do you, in retrospect, now that that's sort of somewhat in your past, but also in your very near future, (laughs) like, how do you feel like you've, gained insight or grown from that experience? How has that like helped you be better?
2: Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. So uh, what I keep saying is I know enough to know that I don't know at all. (laughs) (laughs) Like I know enough to know that I can't fully prepare. Um, But there are certain things that I can intentionally do different this time that based on my past experiences, you know, I think will probably help me. Um, One of them being it's okay to put the baby down. (laughs) That is going to be okay for me. Um, and I think with second and subsequent to children, that becomes a lot easier from what I've witnessed from friends of multiple children um, or that have multiple children. I think also, I am really going to focus on cultivating relationships with mothers in the same stage as me. Um, and what I mean by that, so I went through a move. Uh, we went through like a last minute, spontaneous move we had to move in with my parents and my son was three months and we didn't have our stuff and it was a different part of town. And so any connections I had started to make, they never developed because I was in such a different part of town and he screamed in the car. And so we wouldn't, I didn't, I wish I would have still driven, you know, to those mommy groups and the breastfeeding groups and things like that. But I just didn't, um, I didn't know how important that was going to be. And I know for me this time, that's going to be a, a huge focus for me. It's getting up, getting myself to get out of the house and go hang out with other women who are in the same stage as me. Um, because that, you know, that is a huge source of support for us, um, in general in life but I think also especially during this time where we kind of you know we kind of get dropped by our providers like we don't see them anymore um and we need that that kind of connection and camaraderie and validation um and I think that's a great place to get it yeah that's um, a great idea you know, I think from a food perspective um I would probably expect that I'll go through the same experience you know to a certain degree of needing food and needing it fast and that's okay <laughs> we are going to be, you know, life is going to affect our eating um, and our needs uniquely at different stages. And intuitive eating is not a hunger fullness diet. It's not a mindful eating diet. It's not a whatever this would even be, a perfect eating diet. It's a, hey, get to know yourself, get to know your experiences with food, get to know your life and how, how food can support you during this time. Meaning like, or how things might need to shift and change during different times and different needs. And so I wouldn't be that surprised if I go through another stage of like, again, I need a past, I need to know. But I also, you know, I know that I might need that. And I also know that I might, I won't need that forever. Totally. Uh, one thing that I hear
1: as you're talking about your story is just that one of the, the insights that seems to be really profound is is that you could have been really like mad at yourself for... Kind of having your eating get out of out of a good routine or a good rhythm or whatever. You could have been really judgmental and like angry or bugged or um, told yourself a story that that meant that you're you know a horrible whatever. I mean, yeah. you could have gotten really negative, but but when you were telling me your experience, you 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 mentioned that you were able to have a really kind of non judgmental, curious self talk around it, sort of saying, okay, what's going on here? What am I noticing? What might I be able to alter here or there that could that could help me approach food in in a healthy way rather than a really angry negative space? so that to yeah. me seems like a really valuable like life lesson where I mean, I know we talk about this a bunch in in these spaces and and on this podcast too, but just the value of of looking at things in your life with without judgment and just trying to notice. What's going on, and trying to, to be non judgmental. I think that's true with parenting. I think that's true with food and intuitive eating and body image. Um, that's yes. One.
2: Yeah. And I was really lucky, again, to have been exposed to these options for my life and my relationship with food early on. But I will tell you that learning those same lessons around my postpartum depression and anxiety. Um, didn't come so easy. <laughs> so just because, you know, we sort of, uh, you know, have, can, can kind of experience certain things non-judgmentally in our lives in one way doesn't mean that we're going to walk around feeling like that all the time or oh, never yeah. judging ourselves. So um, you know, that was a really uh, difficult and painful experience to, to go through as well, just learning that you know, it was easy for me at that point to not judge myself around eating, relatively, you know, um, because of the groundwork that had been laid, and I, I really want that for like every mom, like I think, and every human, like I think every human deserves to feel like that um, around food. But then, so fascinating. Um, I didn't feel as fascinating at the time, but in reflection, you know, to go through, I went through like an MBSR class, and um, I just remember just feeling so much judgment uh, uh, throughout the process and throughout the therapy process about just kind of ways I was feeling about motherhood and this change that had happened. And, um, it took a lot of patience with myself to get to a point of not feeling that, that judgment anymore, or being able to sit with the judgment and understand it, you know?
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And on the one hand, yes the the things that you learn through your relationship with food can be applied to other areas of life but that doesn't necessarily mean it'll it'll come easy and it doesn't mean that you didn't learn it well enough and that's why it's Mm -hmm. not transferring over um yeah like we all have our certain like areas where we're really vulnerable and where it's like i know this intellectually but i like emotionally cannot wrap my head around this principle that makes so much sense in this particular area of my life and that that's I think that's just life yeah (laughs) at least that's my life you know um so true it can be really tricky so what other is there any other experiences or stories that kind of stand out to you as as experiences that have really helped you learn and grow and um progress in ways that that might have something to do with food but might also just be parenting experiences that mm-hmm. help you grow?
2: Oh, my gosh. Well, do we have another hour to talk about I know. parenting experiences? <laughs> and it's only been three years for me. <laughs> no, it's so true. Oh,
1: man. It's like every day, right?
2: Every single day. And, and uh, yeah, I think it's, you know, kind of going back to what I said in the beginning that I'm just really learning the meaning of, like, the only constant is change. And that I do not have control over everything and that, you know, this is just the beginning of sitting with my child when he's suffering or going through tough things in our lives, losing loved ones or natural disasters or, you know, just kind of living life and having things happen um, that are really challenging and, and learning how to parent and care for this little person um, during that, I think has been kind of a uh, a big a big learning curve for me, um, or kind of a just like a I don't want to say shock, but kind of shock, like just kind of like oh gosh, you know. I think when you realize um, that, like I'm having a memory of uh, having food poisoning when I was, um, I think Jack was like nine months old. And we were at a beach house, so we were, like, all sleeping in the same room, and there was no way he was going to let me be awake without nursing. And so I remember, like, being sick and having food poisoning, and, like, he's breastfeeding at the same time. And I remember thinking, like, this is, like, this is it. This is motherhood. Like, this is parenthood. Like, I am always, um, you know, going to be, to a degree, having to learn how to care for myself. Um, while caring for someone else, um, quite literally, sometimes at, at the same time, um, and and I think that also really speaks to the need for when we're not literally in those times of more like crisis type times, to to really be nurturing ourselves um, and filling up our cups, you know, metaphorically, and kind of laying that that foundation for ourselves so that when change does happen when you know challenges do come whatever those challenges are that we have just a little bit more to give during those times either to ourselves or to someone else um, to get us to get us through those times so not just you know oh gosh this thing is happening and now I need self-care but oh my gosh I can't figure out how to do that or when to do that because I'm in crisis you know um, and I'm not used to doing that for myself but to, to be able to lay that foundation when we're maybe in not in those stages too, I think is something, um, that I've learned and have, have also carried into, um, the community in I terms love of that, the Lindsay. Talk about things. Yeah.
1: I love that. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I'm like, as you're talking, I'm thinking, man, this is such a big topic that I feel so inadequate to even try to brush the surface with because, there's so many feelings and experiences and emotions, and it's so personal, but it's so beautiful, but it's so hard, it's so intense. I mean, it's like everything, right? And then part of me thinks, what about people listening who want to have a child but can't? And, you know, like it's it's really intense for me to talk about this stuff because I I try really hard to be sensitive to where other people might be, which might be very different from where I am. Um, And so, I, I guess I wanted to just say here, when when talking about the question of what can, what let what lessons or what wisdom can be gained from challenges in motherhood or experiences of motherhood, um, again that's huge huge topic. But what I want to say just just sort of as a, a a little bit of food for thought for people listening is I think there's constantly symbolism, um, beautiful lessons to be learned from your children, from yourself, from your own thoughts, from your experiences, from the way that you're approaching different situations that I think can really be beneficial overall toward creating a healthier relationship with food in your body. Um, I think we just have to, to, to look for them and be mindful of them and to notice them when they come up because they I think they do come up on a regular basis. I think parenting is so much about about you learning yourself better and, and, um, and of course about your child too. But, but I think they're one of our, our greatest
2: teachers. Um, Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: So what, what, what does that bring up for
2: you? Yeah, I was going to add to that of, um, especially in the body image experience and something I've been talking about a little bit more often lately is, um, and kind of opened up with in terms of that shame of the shame, you know, on top of shame, um, is, you know, you may have this, you might be listening to this episode and thinking, I, I should feel a certain way, or I want to feel a certain way, or, you know, I want to feel better in my body, but I just don't. And, and you don't have to fight that. I think we are so used to opposing our bodies um, and told that we're supposed to oppose our bodies and manipulate our bodies and not listen to our hunger, look a certain way or whatever. Um, that I think when we start to approach the body image, um, piece, we're sort of used to being at odds. So it's like, oh, now I'm supposed to just magically not have these feelings anymore. You know, there are oftentimes reasons that we are going to feel a certain way towards our bodies. There can be cultural reasons. There can be, um, you know, reasons, uh, on a, um, well on a cultural like stigmatizing Level, there can be um, reasons because you're going through a really tough experience where either maybe your body's not doing what you want it to do, or you're expecting it to do, or you're feeling like it should be doing, um, or you're just going through tough times of change. And you know, you may feel you may not feel like you know, butterflies and roses about your body at different stages of your life. To be able to sit with that and not push it away so quickly and pretend like it's not there, and to talk to someone about it, like a therapist, um, you know, if it's affecting your eating, a dietitian who specializes in food behavior and body image, to be able to talk about it in a way that actually helps. Where we're not we're not stifling it and like saying go away. We're saying what can we learn from this? Because I think um, there's a lot of symbolism and metaphor in body image stuff uh you know i always say there's like these two levels i think on one level like the appearance piece is real um a lot of people say like oh that's not you know you're not really dissatisfied with the way you look you you have other underlying things going on I'm like no i think in our culture unfortunately <laughs> that's a really real part of it um and there's also these deeper layers of what's going on in your life and you know kind of the roots and the emotions and things like that so i think certainly um parenthood brings that up again because um the, the things that we go through as women, if you are carrying the, your baby, um, you know, in pregnancy, um, it, you know, the body image can oftentimes align with how you're feeling about, you know, feeling about that on a body level, like a, a parent's level, but also about your transition into parenthood. Um, and so to be open to that, I think, and know that there's nothing wrong with you if you have negative thoughts about your body um but there's some things to learn and you don't have to jump to controlling it or changing it um you can learn to create some space between that reactivity of like i don't like it so my knee-jerk reaction here is to jump to the nearest fad diet or quote lifestyle change and i will fix that and everything will be better because once my weight is this way or once my body looks this way everything will be okay it's like oh Gosh, yeah. if it was only that simple, right? <laughs> you know. It's so like true. People are doing that all the time and, you know, it's not it's not making um it's not the outcome is not usually what's expected in terms of what people think that changed body is going to bring if they are even able to to manipulate their body in that way.
1: So true, Lindsay, and and that that brings up a thought too for me where I think if we're noticing and paying attention to our children and our experience of being a mother or a parent, I think a lot of times some of these insights can come through through them. At least, you know, it, for me personally, looking at my children, looking at them grow, seeing their little bodies develop and them learn new skills with their bodies and seeing how much they love their own bodies naturally and they want to look in the mirror and, and they, they love, uh they love themselves. It's such a good example to me of, of just un, unashamed and un, uh, I don't know, unapologetic is what I was going for. Unapologetic, like body love, which yeah. Okay. Many of us, (laughs) many, many people (laughs) listening might be like, okay, that's, that's just not, Possible for me, but but I think maybe it's it's something to look at and something to admire and to be in awe of and to maybe try to try to implement little little facets of it in our own life. Um, yeah, I think that there's so many opportunities in parenthood and and motherhood to be able to gain some insight into whatever we might be looking at or struggling with with food. Notice how your child eats. Notice how they're in tune with those cues um they let you know when they're hungry they let you know when they're done and just and maybe that's not something that feels very possible right now for you but but recognizing it and and paying attention to it and trying to learn from it i think i think there's just so much that can be gained from observation of the way that mm-hmm. our little little people in our life do these things
2: yeah because they're not tainted by culture yet you know yeah. they haven't been told that they're not okay yet hopefully hopefully Um, yeah. So I, I agree. I think it's like fascinating to watch it. You know, I think of my son, like, you know, he finally is smiling for pictures, you know, they get to the stage where they go cheese and they cheese and they look so goofy. Like it's the funniest thing. Like he has the goofiest little smile and, but like, that's how, like, that's how he, he's going to smile for pictures and never once is he going to look at that photo and go, Oh my gosh, like, I can't believe I smiled like that, or you didn't get my quote good side, or do it, take it again, you know, I don't feel like I look good in that picture. Like, you know, they're just like, oh, that's me, can I see it again? You know, exactly. it's just, um, it's amazing, and you know, we all, most of us started that way, you know, Um, and so it's it's fascinating, and you know, I so desperately want to preserve that for them. Um exactly. as much as we possibly can even though unfortunately we just don't have full control over that stuff but well which is we another in lesson in and unit. of itself
1: right I mean mm-hmm. it's like uh, if you ever wanted to learn that you don't have control you can go ahead and like become a parent you know like it's <laughs> it's just I, th- I think what I want people to get from this episode hopefully is you know if you can pinpoint man I'm really struggling with with satisfaction or I'm really struggling with knowing how I want to like move my body in a way that's, that's not, you know, too extreme one way or another, uh, or gosh, I'm really struggling with body image or man, I'm just struggling with whatever it might be. If you can pinpoint what it is. And if you have a child in your life, um, whether it's like a newborn baby or, you know, up until I don't, I I only have experience through age five. I'm still learning from my (laughs) five-year-old so I can speak to that. But I think that you can just start noticing what they do and how they do it. And I think you, I think there's so much to be learned. That's, Mm -hmm. that's one of the incredible things that, that I've figured out about parenthood is, is these kids are, these kids have it going on. They know, they know so much.
2: They do. I know. It's amazing how much you can learn from a human who's only been on earth for like three to five years. <laughs> it's incredible. So, so I can only imagine what I'm going to learn from them you know, in the next uh, many, 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 many years. Oh, so, I, yeah.
1: I, I'm a little, I'm bracing myself for, for the teenage years. I, uh, that'll be <laughs> tricky.
2: I feel. Yes. I'm ready to learn. I'm ready to learn a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Put on your big
1: girl pants for that one. That's, <laughs> It's yeah. not going to be easy. So, yeah. what do you want to say in conclusion about this whole kind of really broad and kind of tricky slash um, fraught with ways that we could say the wrong thing topic? Like, what, how do you want to, what, what would you want a mom to know about, about this whole experience of becoming a mother, early years of motherhood, um, and her body and her relationship with food? What would you kind of, what advice would you give?
2: Mm. Such a such a good question. I think I really believe in I really believe in like body autom- autonomy and you know letting people seek wellness and nutrition and you know making nutrition decisions and body image, you know, work and stuff like that um based on what truly feels in alignment, you know, for them. I think Different stages of our lives are going to make us ready, or interested, or curious about different types of learning about ourselves and caring for ourselves. So, I guess I would start by saying, if what we're talking about today, you feel a lot of resistance to, and like I don't think I don't think that's my jam, that's okay. You can be there. <laughs> um, I think for anyone who's listening, who's you know, saying, yes, this is really resonating. And I want more, um, that there are lots of people out there who are ready to help you with that and support you with that and sit with you with that. Um, you know, there, it is an option. Like you can, you can opt out of diet culture if that's what you want. Um, and just to overall, just be gentle for all of us to remember to be gentle with ourselves during this, this wild ride of parenting and also just any stage of change um, that you might be in, whether it be like moving cross country or starting a new job or graduating from college or starting college or getting married or, you know, whatever it is to be gentle with yourself. Um, I think times of change are inherently can, you know, they can be wonderful things and that doesn't mean they aren't going to be challenging. Um, I think they're really amazing opportunities for growth um, and so a gentle encouragement to be open to that as much as sometimes we don't even want to go there because we're just struggling and <laughs> it sounds um, a little too rosy sometimes you know
1: that's a beautiful that makes sense, sense. yeah but, no, that's
2: but, lovely yeah to just kind of wherever you're at, however you're feeling, like that's how, that's where you're at. And that's where you're feeling and seek people and care and community and support. It's going to meet your needs at that time in your life. And if that's what feels right, then that's, you know, that's what you need. So
1: I love that, Lindsay. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking about all of this with me. Take a, take a few minutes and talk about your resources and your podcast and your website and all of that.
2: Oh yeah. So I, um, I have a online, like I said, body positive community called the nurtured mama community. You can learn more about that at the nurtured Club. You can also just search for us on Facebook, uh, the nurtured mama community to just find the group. Um, and then I also, uh, I'm in kind of that growing stage of developing different types of resources and support, but I have, um, it's actually, there's only one more group of this, but when I return from maternity leave, I'll continue an ED recovery support group for moms, so any moms out there who are um, moving through in recovery from an eating disorder and want to have uh, that safe space to connect with other moms who have been there are there um, and want to just kind of discuss different things through the lens of motherhood, uh, that's an online um, support group, and then I also have my um, online self-paced, basically intuitive eating for mothers program, where I've taken kind of the years of experience that I've had in offices, sitting with women, hearing their stories, and helping them on their you know food and body peace journeys. I've sort of taken that and packaged it up into a self-paced program um, to move uh, to move moms through you know, body respect and appetite awareness and healing their relationship with hunger, um, healing their relationship with exercise, things like that, to lay that strong foundation. Um, Kind of, again, kind of discussing that through the lens of motherhood. And that's called Eat, Eat, Be, Nurture. And you can find out more about that on the website as well. Oh, and I have a podcast (laughs) like you called The Nurtured Mama, where we just talk about all the things that I feel like need to, bigger platform that aren't being discussed. So we talk a lot about body image and food, but we talk about other areas of of care for mothers as well, like physical healing, postpartum, um, you know, mental health, things like that.
1: Great. Well, thank you so much for letting us know about all of that. And I highly recommend people check those resources out, especially if you're in those stages that that these groups and resources are really kind of geared towards. I think it can be so helpful to have that community and that support in, in a potentially really um, difficult but great time of life. Um, so thank you so much, Lindsay, for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed talking
2: with you today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Paige. I had a good time. Thank you.
0: Well, I sincerely hope you've enjoyed this conversation. If you haven't already, please go ahead and leave a review on iTunes. Thanks again so much for
2: listening, and we'll see you soon for another episode.